Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Go ahead and be seated. Uh, good morning. My name is Daryl. I'm the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Um, super grateful to, uh, to get to spend Sunday morning with you. Uh, I, uh, I missed you while I was away. I, some of you may know that I was, I was gone last week. Um, super grateful to be back with you uh, this week. Thank you for, uh, thanks to those of you guys who helped make it possible for, for my family to be away on vacation. Um, if you're a member here of our church and you'd like to see her continue, I want to invite you to invest in her financially. Um, you can do that by giving at arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. You can also give by mailing your investment to 2500 South Main Street in Ann Arbor. And if you're here with us in person, you can uh, place your offering in the offering box at, um, out in the lobby. Um, at the end of today's message, we're going to do something um, that's, that's pretty special together. Um, it's, it's, it's called communion. Um, or the Lord's Supper. Um, communion is a time of our worship service where we give specific attention to the, to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus and how we should respond to it. Um, I grew up going to church um, and would forget often that I should have a response to the to when communion when we take it together. And so I want to invite you to, to take it with us if you're a Jesus follower, but then to have some kind of response to to. Um, celebrating communion, that it would motivate us to be better, be better Jesus followers. Um, and it's, it'll, it'll be a, it's just a reminder to us of how we should be or how we should live um, into, into Jesus Christ. So, um, <laughs> sorry, two weeks ago, um, I was, I, we talked a little bit about Gideon. I'm um, in the book of Judges in chapter seven. There's a super incredible story of, of this, you know, Gideon fighting an army of a hundred thousand people with, with 300 people. It's probably more than a hundred thousand, maybe 110, 120,000 people. It's this impossible battle when he, he's outnumbered like 400 to one. And he, he goes into this, into this battle. This is, that's a battle that you retreat from. And he goes into this battle. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they don't go lightly. They go into it blazing, yelling, this is for the Lord. And just, it's a great story. It's a great story. They run into battle, just bold. Um, Gideon does what, what God asked him to do, and they win this battle. It's just this, it's this epic story of Gideon destroying, you know, this, this much, much, much larger army. Whenever I think of this story, whenever I think of this story, I can't help but think of the, the story of 300 or the, the movie, the 300, if you've ever heard of this movie. It's basically the story of a king named Gerard Butler, and uh, he leads a small army into uh, beat a much larger one. Um, I've never seen all of 300, um, but I've seen clips, and it's, you know, it's, it's this elite 
fighting force of men who go on, you know, and they're fighting this much bigger army. Um, and I, when, I, when I'm watching these clips, I always have this feeling of they're in this, this group of 300. Or they're in this group because they're so strong and they're so, they're so well-trained. Um, I think of like Navy SEALs or like Green Berets. Like these guys are like the best of the best of the best. And that's why they're in this group of 300. They get to go and fight. Um, and, and, you know, they're strong and they're so awesome. And I, I, in my mind, whenever I think of the Gideon story, I, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of align these things and, and I, I love, I don't know if you guys are like this. I love movies where the, the fight scenes are all choreographed out and, you know, they do things that they, you know, you in a real fight, you could never do. Um, just super cool. The kind of, kind of movie that you walk away from when you're, you're, you know, you're into that stuff and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. I imagine this is what it was like for Gideon when I think of this story. Um, that when he, you know, he's with his 300 people, he's, he's this awesome fighting machine kind of a guy. When I think of Bible heroes, um, I think that they win or they're great because they're really great fighters. Um, they're really, or they're really great spiritual leaders. Um, they've done the right things and they become this, this great person that we all remember and we all read about and talk about forever. I imagine that they become those people because they're just, they're just so great. They're so wonderful. They're so powerful. Um, and I often need reminded us this, um, of this idea. The Bible doesn't tell me Gideon's story because it wants me to think how great Gideon is, right? Like we don't have the story about Gideon's fighting with the 300 people versus 100,000. We don't have that story for it to remind us. This is, we have, you know, this is why Gideon's so great or he's so wonderful. Uh, there's this chapter of the Bible called Hebrews 11. It's known as the faith chapter for those of you guys who are Jesus followers. Um, uh, Hebrews 11, it lists all these great things, these great leaders, all the, any of you who've grown up in church, you've heard all these names of Moses and Noah and Abraham. This is a list of all these great Bible heroes and why they're so great and why they're so wonderful and all the wonderful things that they did while they were alive. And if all, you know, when I read that chapter, I think about that chapter, I often think it's about the great faith of these guys and how awesome they were and how powerful their faith was. Hebrews 11 isn't a story about how great Moses is. Hebrews 11 isn't a story about how great Gideon is. It's a story about how great Jesus Christ is. But I forget. Listen to this verse. It says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith is putting trust in what we hope for and it's proof of what we cannot see. Um, so just, and just and we should say, just because you put your faith in something or someone doesn't make it true, right? We, we, we put our faith in things that aren't, that aren't true, that turn out to not be true. But when we put our faith in something or someone, you may have the opportunity to prove it's true with your life. When you have the opportunity, when you put your faith in something or someone, you may have the opportunity to prove that it is true with your life. So um, when, my, when my family was on vacation last week, we got to do some rock climbing. I'm in Colorado. Um, and it's the kind of climbing where you, you have lots of safety things. You know, you, you're strapped into a safety harness and you climb attached to a rope system um, so that if you fall, you won't get hurt. And um, it's pretty cool. When you climb outdoors, typically what has to happen is someone has to set up your rope system in order for you to climb. So on the second day of our trip, my family and I were climbing next to a mom and her two kids and um, there's, this, there's this man that's with them. Um, and it turns out they've paid this man to take them rock climbing. Um, so we're over here, they're over there, and they, they arrive after us. And they're, you know, they're there to do some rock climbing. Um, and uh, <clears throat> he tells the mom, the, 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 the man who's with them, he tells the mom and their kids, you guys stay right here. I'll be right back. And he disappears up the mountain and he's, you know, doing things up there. And then after a little while, he comes back down. And he says, okay, we're all ready. We're all set to, um, to do some rock climbing. So I'm guessing the mom and her kids met that man that day. And if they're going to climb, they're going, they're going to be believing that the man that they paid set up this rope system right. And they're putting their trust in him by, by, by attaching themselves to a rope and climbing up it 60 feet. And they're say, what they're saying is, and again, the funny thing is they can't even see the rope where the, what, what the rope is attached to. It might not be attached to anything. But they're saying, we paid this guy and we think they, what he did, you know, we think it's, and so they, get, they, they attach themselves to this rope and they just start climbing. They're putting their trust in him by attaching themselves to this rope and climbing 60 feet up and their, their faith and their confidence and what they hope for is that this man has set this thing up right. The woman and her two children can't be celebrated because they're good people. I don't know if they're good people. I, I, who knows? They can't be celebrated because they're the greatest rock climbers because it was their first time rock climbing. What you could say about them, you could say, okay, it was really a good thing about them, is that they trusted this guy. They believed that what he said is true. They put on this harness and they said, I'll trust you and I'll do it. You could say that about them. But that's pretty much all you could say. You could say, you guys did great. You, you had the trust. You were willing to trust your guy and to, to, to try something you never did before. You put your life in their hands and you, you trusted him. You, know, you trusted his work. You could celebrate them for that. Let me say this. The Bible puts forward heroes that, that shouldn't be celebrated because they're great people, because often they're not. 
If you read it close, often they are not that good. They can't be celebrated because they're good people. But they can be celebrated that they put their trust in someone who is great. That you can celebrate the great person that they're putting their trust in. You can celebrate the God they're putting their trust in because he does something great. You can't celebrate like this novice rock climbing family because they they know how to rock climb, but you can celebrate the man who went up there, set up something that made it so they could have this experience. He's, He's smart, he's knowledgeable. He knew what he was doing because at the end of the day, they all walked away and nobody got hurt. So that guy, we can celebrate him because he knew what he was doing. Hebrews and Judges doesn't say that you can celebrate Gideon because he's great. They celebrate Jesus Christ, the object of Gideon's faith, because he is great. And I get confused often, often, often when I'm reading the Bible and these great men of God, these great men of God, and I think they are so powerful. They've got so much faith. They are so wonderful. They're so well-trained. They're so super smart. I could never be like them. Two weeks ago, when we talked, we talked about Gideon's victory, um, 300 versus thousands, what an amazing man Gideon is. But before that victory, there are some other things about Gideon that I want to show you today. In Judges 6, one chapter before Gideon is, is looking so amazing, um, we're told that Israel has been doing some evil things. Um, Gideon, um, I'm sorry, God, is, God tried to, to, to correct the evil things that Israel's doing. He tries to do it subtly at first and they don't listen. So he has to get increasingly loud. So get, God allows the nation of Israel um, to be oppressed by another nation called Midian. And life is very hard for them at that time. Uh, most of the people are living in, in poverty, um, including Gideon. And so an angel comes to Gideon and reminds, reminds him, you know, he says, hey, Gideon, God is with you. God is with you. So before I go forward any further, I should pause and say this. Often what I feel like um, is God is with me when things are going right. Um, just, and I should say this, just because things aren't going the way that I think they should doesn't mean that God's not with me anymore, right? I mean, maybe you, maybe you feel you felt that way before when your things are not going right in your life, you feel like God's not with me anymore, or God's against me or something like that. We think that often um, God must have abandoned me. The angel reminds Gideon that God is with him and Gideon responds by saying this. He says, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Whereas all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about, telling us, didn't, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. Wow. He's talking to you like an angel. <laughs> that's, a strong, that's a strong statement. He's mad because God um, hasn't fed his family, and um, they're living in poverty, and they're, they're pretty needy. Um, and someone shows up and says, uh, God is with you. Um, and he responds like all of us would respond. Like if we were in that situation, he'd be like, shut up. Uh, when, it, when you're going through something that awful, you don't want somebody coming up to you being like, God is with you. That is what, that's what, that's how he responds. And it's normal and it's natural. And all of us, I won't speak for all of us. I would respond that way. I would respond that way. But it's not great spirituality. It's not like, woo, look at that. That's, 
mm, look at how spiritual they are. It's like the rest of us. It's like all of us. It's like how we would respond. In Gideon's case, his anger at God is ironic because the terrible things that he's enduring, that he's going through are because of Israel and his disobedience to God. But that, you know, we won't talk about that. He's, you know, God says, no, no, really, I'm with you. I'm with you. And Gideon says, well, then prove it. Show me, show me that you're with me. Show me that you're with me. So this is where, this is, and this is where uh, those of you guys who are familiar with this story, we, had, we see the series of tests that God puts, I mean, Gideon puts God through. Um, you know, th- he does this one thing where he takes this sacrifice and puts it on a rock. And he says, okay, prove to me that you're God. And then the, the rock, fire comes out of the rock and consumes the sacrifice. He has that other, the other test where he tells God, he says, God, I've got this sheepskin. I want you to make this sheepskin um, wet and make the, the ground all dry in the morning when the, when the dew should be out. And so God does that. It happens. And then Gideon's not done. He says, okay, do that again, except make the ground dry and make, uh, make the ground wet and make the sheepskin dry. And God does that. And so series of several, several tests like that to get several tests like that are happening to get us to the Gideon that we read about in Judges um, Judges chapter seven, who's like this super great warrior. We don't get there before we go through all of these tests and all these things that he's doing. When God finds Gideon, he he doesn't find him like reading the Bible or um, sitting, knitting uh, blankets for orphans or like, you know, looking to help the poor. We don't find him doing any of those things. We find him sitting around complaining that God's not giving me what I want. That's who we find. And you know, woe is me and I'm being punished and I don't deserve it. That, that's, who, that's who we find. That's who we find. And that doesn't sound like a great man of faith. That doesn't sound like, you know, somebody, you know, I, I thought God picked Gideon because he's like this super great man of faith and he's, he's got all the stuff and he's the guy and he's the man. No, that is not why he picked him. <laughs> that's not why he picked him. That's not why he picked him. Faith is being sure of what we hope for is being sure of what we do not see. That, listen to this, this is, that is what the people of long ago were praised for. That's what Gideon is praised for. Like he, in the midst of all his ridiculousness in his life, he was able to come up with a, just a little bit of faith, just a tiny bit of faith. Something for God to bet on. Something for him to say, I think, I, I think God could do it. Maybe, maybe. And if he proves himself to me in a hundred different ways, then maybe I'll bet my life on him. That is why he's great. Not because he's a great man. Not because he's that spiritual. Not because he's super, you know, super different from us. Because eventually after a lot of work, he's willing to trust God. <laughs> And after the battle's over, after, we, after you read Judges 7, I asked you guys to think about reading Judges 7. After you read Judges 7, it's a super great victory, super great thing. It's awesome. God allows Gideon to have the victory over this all, all because of his faith, because of his faith. It's this really great moment. Everybody's celebrating. And so after this, you know, after this moment, everyone's going to remember now, right? Israel, God's done something really great. Everyone's going to remember man, we need to worship the Lord and the Lord only. He's our guy and we, we need to not go away from him. Uh, the, we're we're going to remember from now on, we're going to keep focused on him because we can't let this happen again. Listen to this interchange 
after God's given Gideon the victory. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. We want you and your son and your grandson to be our rulers, be our king. You have saved us from the power of Midian. Now listen to this. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you. My son won't rule over you either. The Lord will rule over you. Yeah. I mean, that, now that's what you expect from like a spiritual leader. You're reading the Bible. Like you're like, we want to make you the king. I won't be your king. God's going to be your king. My son won't be your king. My grandson won't be your king. God's going to be your king. I love that. Love it. Love it. This is why we like this guy. This, he's godly and spiritual. He's super wonderful. He's exactly who God needs in this moment. This is why God picked him. Gideon told them, I will not rule over you. My son will not rule over you either. The Lord will rule over you. He continued. Let me pause and just say this. This is where I get in trouble, right? <laughs> I say the right thing. And then I continue. <laughs> and uh, my, my wife's like, okay, that's enough. Don't say anything else. Shh, that let it <clears throat> He continued. I do ask one thing. I want each of you to give me an earring. Oh boy, here we go. The Israelites said, we'll, we'll be glad to give, you, give them to you. So they spread out a piece of clothing. Each of them threw a ring on it. And Gideon made an object out of the gold. It looked like the linen apron of the high priest of Israel war and Gideon placed it in Afra. That was his hometown. And all the Israelites worshiped it there. They weren't faithful to the Lord. <laughs> so, the, so the gold object became a trap to Gideon and his family. You're like, wait, what? Are you serious? Wait, after all, we, we, just, we just went through the thing. We had that, God came up, he showed it. He saved you from all the thing. And Gideon's the one who initiates it. God didn't pick Gideon because he's really great. God didn't pick Gideon because he's really spiritual. He didn't pick him because he's a good man. God picked him because he's willing to display just a, just a little bit of faith in the midst of his jacked up life. And, and so here, and th this, is, this is Gideon, jacked up. And then for just a window of moment, oh, you did something good right there. Jacked up. And this is, this is kind of what I hope God can do with me because I know I got jacked up. I got some jacked up stuff in my life. I'm hoping that there's a window, there's a time, or there's a moment that he can do something good with me before I jack it up again. God took Gideon and his 300 men and gained a victory over 100,000 plus enemies, just in a miraculous video. But his life isn't like that. It's just a moment. He's an idiot. He makes bad decisions. God uses them anyway. He uses them anyway. And that's good news for me. I love that. I love that. Because me and him are not different. Me and him are not that different. 
He's not some Green Beret, Navy SEAL kind of guy that I'm most certainly not like. He's not that guy. He's not that impressive. He's not that wonderful. He's not that great. He is a normal guy that God used to do something great because he said, okay, I'll do it. You convince me. I'll try it. After like all kinds of song and dance, you convince me. I will do what you say. I will do what you say. At least for this little small window, I will do what you say. What if God wants to use us? What if he wants to use us? Like when I read Gideon and I see him taking 300 people versus thousands of people, I'm like, I don't know if I could be that guy. But I can be that goofball that does stupid stuff on the front and the back of it. God's not telling us Gideon's story because Gideon is great. God is telling us his story because God is great. And if we buy into that, if we believe that, then he can do something. He can do something in us that we cannot do, that we cannot do. He wants to use us. Not because we are great, but because we are willing to put ourselves, our, our, our faith in someone who is great. I love the Bible. And again, I forget this. Whenever, whenever I'm thinking of the stories, I don't remember. I always, I, I elevate the great people of faith. But when I read the stories, when you read the Bible, it totally lowers the bar on who God can use. He can use anyone, any of us. If we are willing to show up, that's all. That's all. Show up. Show up. Be willing. Show up. Be willing. He wants to use us. He wants to use us. So here's I, I'm, I'm mentioning this, I'm saying this out loud because I think he wants to use our church. I think he wants to use our church family. Um, he, he has kept us alive. He has kept us together through COVID, through all kinds of craziness. Some of you guys know our history. This church should never exist even in this moment now. And he has kept us alive for a purpose, for a reason. So here's what, here's what I want you to do as we, we prepare for what the Lord wants to do with us. Practice the Sabbath. Surprise, <laughs> right? Practice the Sabbath. Practice the Sabbath. Many of you know that I've asked, I've asked our church family to practice the Sabbath. Um, take Sundays and rest and refresh. Um, if you can't use Sunday, then figure out, figure out a different day. I know some of you have talked with me about, your, you know, Sunday doesn't work for you for several different reasons, so you're using Saturday or you're using a different day. Um, I'm, I'm asking you to, to practice the Sabbath. I mean, it's a time to remember. It's a time to, to refresh. Um, it's a time to remember that, that we are not the, the, the most important person in the world. Um, it, it's a time to remember that any success that we're going to experience is because of the Lord. To remember that we are not him is to remember that we are need him desperately. Um, if you need help figuring out what to do on the Sabbath, um, you can go to arborbridgechurch.com forward slash Sabbath. And there's a tool. Um, but, I, you know, I would love to talk with you about that. If you, if you were, if you're willing to try, um, I would love to talk with you more about how we could work together practicing the Sabbath. Um, I, I think it's an important part of what needs to happen next in our 
in the life of our church family. Second, um, I wanted to bring, I'm bringing up to you that during the month of October, um, the elders and I are gonna be leading a series of, of gatherings, a series of conversations um, where we wanna talk with you about, about what God's doing in our church family. We're gonna have some, some, we're gonna have some specific questions that we're kind of crafting right now that we wanna, we wanna ask in those smaller gatherings. Um, and we want you to have a chance to think about those questions. So it's, you know, it's, as, those, as it's leading up to those, those, uh, those weeks in October, we'll share those with you. But I, I, you know, we want you to know the conversation. We want you to get on the conversation about what God's doing, what's going to help you be a better Jesus follower, but what, what's, what's God's putting on your heart about how our church can do that together. Um, would you be willing to be a part of that? Would you be willing to be a part of that? And be willing to, uh, to think about it, to pray about it, to share what God puts on your heart, even if you feel nervous about that. Um, by us talking together, obviously it will be a way for us to narrow down, you know, things that, that maybe I want, I want, or I like, or I want to do. Maybe some of those things could get weeded away by you sharing the things that you feel like God's leading you towards and the things that, that are, we're matching up on. Maybe. Yeah. Let me read this to you. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. God made the universe and everything that we, we see out of you know, what, was, what was not, what was invisible. Um, by faith, we understand that God made something spectacular when he had nothing to work with. He made what we see out of what's invisible. God specializes in this. So sometimes I look in myself, I, I'm looking at myself and I, I don't feel like I see anything visible that God can work with. I don't see anything that, that God can do anything good with. I, I, I'm looking at myself, I'm like, I don't, what do I got that, that God can use? Maybe nothing, maybe, I, maybe, maybe, I think it's nothing. Maybe it's not nothing, whatever. Even if it is nothing, irrelevant. Because God makes spectacular things out of nothing. God makes spectacular things out of nothing. Each week, um, I'm tempted to believe that, and again, I've shared this with you before. Each week, I'm tempted to believe that God picked me because I'm so wonderful, so spiritual, the reason why I get to lead church or be is because I'm just a super great Jesus follower. He picked me <clears throat> because he's wonderful. He picked me because he's powerful. He's great. <clears throat> one, I was talking with one of my mentors once about the idea of leading our church here. And it's like, oh, I got all these ideas and all these things that I can bring to our church and bring to the table. And this, this person said to me this, she said, Daryl, what if God brought you to your church? Not for them, but for you, for you. And I, the longer I'm here, the more I think that's true. That I, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not super great. I, I don't got anything to bring to the table to bring to you guys. We are going to bring stuff together. We're going to do something together. 
Super awesome, super powerful. All the things in my life that make me feel spiritual, make me feel like I'm better, garbage, garbage. All, those, all the things that I'm self-righteous about, garbage. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Just even if I have it just for a moment, just for a little second, that, that, that goodness, good, something good that comes just from that little small window when I got crap over here and crap over here. Just that. There's a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of me being really good. Or my own righteousness. Or me being really spiritual on the basis of me reading the Bible all the time. On the basis of faith. And it's not even that great of faith. It's just a little. It's just a little. It's just a little. When we celebrate communion together each week, it's a reminder. It's a reminder for me that I am needy. I need him. And I'm not going to make it through this life based on my righteousness and my goodness, but a, a rightness that comes from God. And I've got to depend on that. Oh my goodness, I have to depend on that. And so, while we take communion together, I want you to be reminded your favorite Bible character, all the great, great things that you see in the Bible that are happening, they happen because of God's greatness. He's the same God who did all those great things then that we have access to now. He wants to do something great in us. He wants to do something great in us. Let's pray together. um, And as you take communion, recommit to having the kind of faith that allows the Lord to do great things in your life. Dear Father, We do not put our faith in ourselves. We do not put our faith in what we can do. We do not put our faith in how much we know. We do not put our faith in how long we've been Jesus followers, how long we've been Christians. We don't put our faith in our self-righteousness. We don't put our faith in any of those things. We put our faith in you. And it's, it's it's a feeble, frail faith. It's all we got. It's all we got. And you know us, you, you know that you're going to have to prove yourself to us and do the song and dance. And, we, and you know that after you show up in our lives in a huge, huge way, we're still going you know, to make mistakes on the other side of that. And you still love us and you still want us and you still believe in us. And you still think that we, you can do great things through us despite us. I pray, I beg you to help us believe that. Help us believe that you can do great things even through me, even through me. Uh, and I pray that, that we wouldn't dwell on our brokenness or our lack of faith or our, you know, we wouldn't dwell on any of those things. We wouldn't dwell on how righteous we think we are or how righteous we think we're not. We wouldn't dwell on any of those things. We just dwell on you. We just dwell on you and your greatness to defeat armies with 400 to one odds. To build, to build your church despite 
COVID or despite the, the culture, you, to build your church despite all the drama that we've, we've, all of us have experienced as a part of churches in the past, you can still build your church despite all those things. I pray that we would have our eyes on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Help us to keep them there. Um, and, and as we take communion together, as we remember together the, the power of the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our eyes, help our eyes to stay there and remember that you want to do the same in us. Bring us to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.